Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia, and today I'm going to be joined by a guest here. We're going to be joined by the one and only Noah Magarro George, who is a writer and editor for Pounding the Rock. It's great to have you on the show, Noah. How have you been? I'm good. I'm really happy that the Spurs season is back, that the NBA is back, and most of all, happy to be talking to you. It's been a really long time, and I always have a lot of fun talking Spurs basketball with you. Likewise, you know, we both taken, I've taken some time off, you know, behind the scenes just to recharge and get ready for, you know, the upcoming <laughs> season. And here we are in full swing. And, you know, I think everybody is delightfully surprised, should I say, because the Spurs are looking really good to start the season. Who would have thought we would have been here, Noah? Currently, the Spurs sit at three and one, and I believe they're what, second in the Western Conference right now? Yeah, they are second in the Western Conference, three and one. They have surprised a little bit, but here they are. Are you looking to upgrade your current live stream? Well, our good friends over at Nerd or Die have you covered. They have everything from alerts to customizable overlays and everything you need to make your live stream look its best. Go ahead and check out our friends over at Nerd or Die by simply scanning the QR code you see on screen. Yeah, so let me go ahead and, and tell you, are you team tank or are you just team play in or you just like me and just like, you know what, regardless of what happens or what the record is at the end of the day, I'm just having fun watching the team. I think I'm team tank, but I'll preface it with saying I don't want the Spurs to go out there and intentionally lose games. I don't want to see them do what Oklahoma City did or Philadelphia did with their processes and the process that Oklahoma is still doing right now, where they're just throwing out lineups out there that are intentionally losing and they're not trying to foster development and they're just trying to get the top pick. I don't want to see that. But what I do want to see is the Spurs giving the youngsters as many touches, as many minutes, as many shots, as many on-ball reps as possible. And just losing naturally. And to be honest with you, love that they're 3-1 and one to start the season. I think if you look into a lot of the numbers, it's mostly a fluke. But I can't say I'm upset with the wins. Because it's not like every win I go, dang it, they should have lost that game. Pop doesn't even know how to tank right. No, it's going to happen. It's four games into a season. Teams are figuring out how they want to run their offenses, how they want to run their defenses, what sets they want to run, what their identity is. And... The Spurs entered the season, I think, with a firm, firmly established identity, whereas other teams are still figuring out who they are. So I'm not worried about, you know, the wins or the losses. I think the, the dominoes will fall and eventually the Spurs will get to a point where we see them in the lottery again. Yeah, one of the things that I, I've been pleasantly surprised by, you know, to start the season early for the San Antonio Spurs is the camaraderie and chemistry of this team. You know, they're playing really loose out there. They're, they're just having fun. You're seeing a lot of smiles on the court and they're just enjoying what they're doing right now. And in it, and it can, and you, sh and it shows because of what they've been doing with ball movement, with their assist that they're, they're at the top of the league right now, early on in the season. Let's, let's be clear here. They are tops in the league when it comes to assists. So it means that they're sharing the ball really well. And I've been impressed with some of the passing that I've seen out of this young core Particularly, I've seen some great passing coming out of Isaiah Roby, and he's showing some great promise to start the season. Even in preseason play, I saw little flashes here and there of what this kid can actually bring, you know. And granted, he's not going to probably be getting tons of minutes, but in the limited time that he's out there on the court, he does make an impact. What have you thought about him? Isaiah Roby was a pretty big pickup in my eyes when the Spurs got him off of waivers. Now, 
I talked to a lot of people who write about the Thunder, who cover the Thunder, and he wasn't released because he was a bad player. They're simply going in a direction where they're still rebuilding. They want to get as many young talents into that roster as they can, and they hope that someone is going to emerge as a star, like Shea Gilgis-Alexander or Josh Giddy. With Isaiah Roby, he's 24 years old. He's going to be 25. You kind of know what he is, but what he is is super valuable to most teams. He can shoot the three from a standstill at a really high clip. He can pass the ball as a connective tissue kind of guy. He's a versatile defender. He can put the ball on the floor a little bit. He does a lot of things that most forwards can't do. Now, he's not excellent at any one thing necessarily, but having a jack-of-all-trades player like that, super valuable. And I think I'm very happy to see him playing over Keita Bates-Diop. And that's no offense to KBD. Fine player. But I think Roby, he has a little bit more oomph to his game. There's more dynamic. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I've kind of seen out of the kid. He kind of reminds me of, of poor man's Kyle Anderson. You know, when he was with the San Antonio Spurs, uh, Kyle was kind of the jack of all trades. You know, he didn't do one thing extremely well. He was very versatile and you could put him at, you know, different positions depending on the need of the team. And I kind of see that out of Isaiah Roby. And I think he was a very smart pickup uh, for the San Antonio Spurs. And it's playing dividends early on in the season. The other thing that I've seen is uh, a little bit of growth here out of Keldon Johnson. Keldon Johnson uh, shed some pounds and he's playing a lot better out there a lot. He's being able to move around the court a lot better, you know, more fluid. One of the things that I've also seen uh, as far as the growth out of him is he's beating the different looks that the teams are giving him. Double teams, let's say triple teams sometimes, or just different defensive looks, you know. Uh, he's beating that by not uh, being hesitant. He's going on early on when he's getting the ball. He knows what he wants to do with it. And he's just going at it. You know, he's being a little bit more controlled on his movements, especially when he's going and driving towards the rim. It's not so more, you know, so much now that he's out of control using that big body and just pushing people out of the way. He's more controlled. He's playing a, a very smart game out there and he's picking and choosing his spots. You know, when he's getting the ball and it's conducive to him to go in, going ahead and taking that shot. He's making that he's taking that shot and he's taking it with confidence, which shows growth out of one Keldon Johnson. What have you noticed about him early on? Yeah, I think just his movement has been a lot better. Like you said, he shed 21 pounds this offseason. He looks like he can move a little bit better laterally. He looks like he's got quicker feet on the defensive end. But to be 100% honest with you, I don't necessarily think Keldon has really improved necessarily as a scorer. I mean, you look at his efficiency numbers, they're a little bit down from a year ago, but I don't think that's because he's bad. I actually mm. think that's mostly because more tension is on him. And right, there's no longer a DeJounte, there's no longer a DeMar, he's no, he has to be the guy. But what I've really liked is that Greg Popovich hasn't said, you're the guy, so we're going to force feed you the ball. Instead, he's fourth in touches on this team. They've been getting him downhill off of cuts. They've been getting him downhill off of screens, off of dribble handoffs. They haven't asked him to do too much with the ball in his hands. Now, one thing really has impressed me when he has had the ball in his hands is his passing. I actually think he's done a pretty good job as a playmaker. Now, he's not really making any advanced reads. He's still missing some reads. He still doesn't have the mastery of that pocket pass or a skip pass or anything like that. But just being able to make those laydown passes to Yaka Pertle, being able to make a pass over the top, like those things are promising. So I'm very happy with what I've seen from Keldon Johnson. I think he's firmly established himself as somebody who can be, you know, that third best player on a championship team once you have all the other prerequisite pieces. So really happy with Keldon. I think he's shown a lot of growth, as you mentioned. 
Yeah, and the other person that's shown a lot of growth and has played quite well uh, to start the season, even though we're only a couple games in, four games in, with the fifth game coming up here shortly, um, is Devin Vassell. Devin Vassell, I kind of expected him to take a leap uh, this coming season. But from what I've seen out of him, I mean, he's to me, he's right now in the running for one of the most improved players uh, this coming in this NBA season, should I say. Uh, he's just been playing really good, smart basketball, shooting the ball with a lot more confidence, just looks very much improved from last season. I mean, what have you seen out of Devin? Yeah, I think the same things that we talked about with Keldon Johnson minus the weight loss have been pretty much true for Devin. He hasn't had a lot of on-ball reps, but they have been getting him downhill off of dribble handoffs, off screens. He's run a couple of pick and rolls here and there, and a lot of his assists are just making the extra pass on the perimeter. It's not like he's making plays off the dribble or anything like that, but he has knocked down the three ball at an incredibly high rate. I think he's shooting about 40% from three on almost eight or nine attempts per game, which is in my opinion, probably not sustainable just with the way that three-point shooting has its ebbs and flows throughout a season. But you look at the rest of his numbers, you know, he's barely shooting 40% from the field. He's not finishing around the rim very well. But I love what I've seen in terms of constant movement, constant cutting, constant relocation. And the thing that you mentioned, right, the confidence. Like If he didn't have the confidence to shoot the ball and he's shooting a poor percentage, it's like – man, we might be in trouble. But I love that he doesn't care if he makes it. He doesn't care if he misses. He's going to continue firing and firing and firing. And he had 23 points, right, against the Timberwolves, 38% shooting. That's not good. But he wouldn't have got to those 23 points if he stopped shooting. So I'm happy that he has been able to just be assertive, show some more confidence, show a little bit of growth. And to me, much like with Keldon can be the third best player on a championship team, I think Keldon's right, or I think Devin's right behind him number four. So if you have those two guys in place before you get your superstar, I think you're in a really good place and you can expedite that rebuild. Yeah. Another player that's kind of impressed me, you know, has been the play of one Trey Jones. I mean, low key, he hasn't done anything that's been, you know, flashy or just stands at, out at you. But what he has done is he has developed into a very good, solid point guard. He's a great facilita facilitator of the ball. Uh, he had eight assists in yesterday's outing against the Timberwolves. He scored eight points. He had seven rebounds, and he also was active with three steals. You know, so he's doing all these little things that you want out of your point guard, getting the other players involved and looking to pass the ball in, in the right in the right times. In other words, not trying to force the issue and it turns into a, a turnover. And I've liked everything I've seen out of him. I, I expected him to be the starting uh, point guard for the San Antonio Spurs. And sure enough, Coach Pop went ahead and, you know, started him since the beginning of the season. And I've just liked his play. And I've liked the little pick and roll game, not only with him, but with uh, Jakob Portal. You know, I, I didn't think that was going to be a thing, you know, but early on this season, it has been. I mean, what have you thought about Trey Jones? I think he's been phenomenal to start the year. I'm not going to say he's an all-star or anything, but you look at his numbers, I think he's averaging close to 15 points per game, four rebounds, almost five assists. I mean, he's doing pretty much exactly what DeJounte Murray did on a much smaller scale. You know, he's not getting the same amount of touches. He's not getting as many isolation plays. He's not getting as many pick and rolls, but he's doing pretty much the same thing with his touches. So I'm happy to see him not turning the ball over, making those basic reads, finding his teammates, setting guys up, putting them in a good position to score. So, And the other thing that I think has been really nice is he leads the team in steals per game. He's been really aggressive on the ball. He's been a pestering defensive presence out there on the perimeter. So I can't complain about Trey Jones. But to be honest, Joe, I'm kind of a Trey Jones homer. 
I've been kind of banging the drum on Trey Jones for the last couple of years, especially when they drafted him. So really just excited for him to have this opportunity because I don't know if he's a starting point guard long term, but this experience will be really huge for his growth. And I think if you have him as your backup in a couple of years, man, you got a really good backup point guard on your roster. Yeah, a really solid backup. Yeah. So th that means that the team can only get better and better once we'll find out, you know, here <laughs> before the end of the season where the chips may fall as far as their overall record. Right now it's early on in the season and Spurs fans should just go ahead and enjoy the ride. I mean, things can change. The dynamic can you know, happen really, really fast here. Yeah, and yeah. I was talking with one Jeff Garcia because I was recording Locked on Spurs earlier. And I was telling him, yes, you know, the Spurs have gotten off to a, a surprising start. But, you know, the team can still make some trades as as the season, you know, unfolds here. Because other teams are going to be calling. They're going to be looking at our vets. They're going to be looking at, you know, Doug McDermott. They're going to be looking at Zach Collins, Josh Richardson, Yaka Portal. And anything can happen. You know, so the Spurs can get an offer that they just can't refuse and they're getting an, and more picks, you know, for the future of this team. And, you know, they're going to look at all these factors and some of these veterans might not be here. And, and Spurs fans that are our team tank right now are upset saying the team is tanking horribly. Well, if you make a couple of trades and you get rid of some of your vets, I mean, things can change that quick, you know, so everything is not lost. I mean, let's just enjoy the ride for what it is. And see what happens, you know. I mean, I we were all expecting the worst. Let's be honest. We thought they were gonna, you know, start this month, you know, probably with only maybe one win, you know. But it looks like we're coming at, up to the end of October, and right now the Spurs are playing better than advertised, you know. And they have another game coming up with the Timberwolves. And I gotta ask you, the Spurs did surprise the Minnesota Timberwolves, Noah. Uh, by a final score of 115 to 106 at one time they let them by 35 points do you think that's going to happen again against the uh, in this next outing against the wolves if you like the graphics and overlays we're using on the two shots podcast check out our friends over at canva they have everything you need to get started right away and best of all they are now offering a free 30-day trial to canva pro you can take advantage of this offer by simply scanning the qr code you see on screen no, Joe. And, and honestly, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I really think most of their success has been a fluke. You go through the numbers, they're, I mean, number one in assists per game, but they're really not top 10 in almost every other category. They're yeah. not top 10 in three-point percentage. They're not top 10 in field goal percentage and steals per games and blocks per game and rebounds per game and offensive rebounds per game and efficiency. They're really not top 10 in hardly anything. But what they have been really good at over their wins is coming out, pushing the pace, and whenever they're able to force turnovers, they're running, right? They're they're catching teams off guard. Transition defenses aren't ready. They're not communicating. And to be 100% honest with you, that Timberwolves team really should be ashamed of themselves. It really did look like they came out and they thought, oh, this team is awful. They're going to roll over. They're going to wave the white flag and we're going to get this win. And the Spurs don't do that. That's not how they operate. They're not the Thunder they're not the Sixers from the, the process. They're not out there to lose. They're going to try to win every game. And if you don't put in the effort, I know it's kind of a old adage and maybe it's a little bit cliche, but, you know, like great talent does not beat uh, like lesser talent when that lesser talent works harder. And you saw that, right? I mean, the Spurs just outworked them, but you talked about it, right? They had a 35 point lead that they almost blew last night. Yeah. They had a 26 point lead over the Pacers that they almost blew. They had an 18 point lead against the Sixers, which came close to being 
you know, a little bit of a nail biter. So I don't think teams are going to be that surprised going forward. And I expect that this Timberwolves team will come out and be ready to play next time because it was a pitiful effort from them. It was honestly, it was one of the worst defensive efforts I think I've seen in the last couple of seasons from any team. Yeah. And you have, you know, both Carl Anthony Towns and um, uh, Rudy Gobert, you know, the new addition to the team. Um, and you would have thought that both these big men would have played a little bit better, you know, but that was not the case. It just seemed like the team was just a step slow. Like you said, they underestimated the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs got off hot and they started the game, you know, just like a good miss. I mean, they were just high energy and that, you know, they actually outplayed the Minnesota Timberwolves from the get-go. Uh, but as you, again, another thing that you clearly pointed out here is that the Spurs have had issues when it comes to closing games out especially in that fourth quarter and i think that comes basically down to them being a little bit inexperienced right now and when teams really start pressing them you know in crunch time that's when they start making mistakes and they get trapped and they don't really know what to do they turn the ball over they make poor shot selections you know i mean these are things that they're going to have to work through and they're going to learn as the season unfolds here but it all comes with them actually playing the game and yes spurs fans there are going to be some games where they have a double-digit league, and they're just going to all, but it's all going to be evaporate because they make poor decisions. That's part of the growth. Uh, you made uh, a good point here because you were saying, despite the record, they're still kind of a middle-of-the-road team. And when we're looking at the overall stats from the San Antonio Spurs, and I'm looking at basketball reference right now, they're kind of showing that they're really a middle-of-the-road team uh, just four games into the season. Uh, right now, you know, they're uh, – as far as their point production goes, they're 10th out of 30th teams, uh, 30 teams in the NBA. Uh, their offensive rating, they're 113.9 points per game. That's good enough for 13 out of 30. Uh, their defensive rating right now is they're 21st out of 30. You know, the net rating at the end of the day, despite their record, they're 16 out of 30 teams. So as you mentioned, Noah, right there, middle of the road team, you know, so be interesting to see what happens with them, but I got to ask you one thing in particular. What have you thought of Jeremy Sohan? Because Spurs fans were so excited about him. You know, they even gave him the acronym, the second coming of the worm, Dennis Rodman. Uh, they were very critical of him because he was not really performing up to their standards. And then during this game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, the kid put on a show. So what do you think about one Jeremy Sohan? Yeah, I like Jeremy Sohan a lot. I had him as one of the players that the Spurs should consider drafting. It was him 1B and Jalen Duran 1A. But to be 100% honest with you, I think Spurs fans do have this tendency to whoever the Spurs draft first, that's the next guy. That's the next face of the franchise. That's the guy who's going to be the savior. And I think that's the wrong line of thinking with Jeremy Sohan. I mean, even despite his, what was it, 12 points last game, Almost yeah. all of them came in transition. So it's not like he was self-creating. It's not like he was shooting off the dribble. It's not like he was catch and shooting. It was just he outran other players. He out-hustled other players. And we knew that's what he was going to do. And his only layup in the half court came off a cut. So, you know, he can do the little things, but I wouldn't expect him to have a game like this most nights because he's not a good shooter. He doesn't really put the ball on the floor. He's still learning how to facilitate. He's still getting used to his teammates. And defensively, I think a lot of what he does goes underrated. Like, there's no stat that says, oh, I covered this point guard, made him uncomfortable, and now he had to pass the ball out, and they wasted 10 seconds on the shot clock. But he's going to do that, and we saw him do that against the Timberwolves, but that's not something that's quantifiable. But his value, it's mostly on the defensive end. So when I look at Jeremy Sohan, he may not have the greatest stat line at the end of the night. He may not even have, you know, a sexy box score numbers, you know, 
game in and game out. But I think you'll see his impact if you watch the film and you appreciate the game, right? Because the per game numbers, they're probably not going to be there. But I'm really happy with him. I hope that he gets to continue to get this, you know, 20 minutes, 22 minutes per game. And he'll probably be one of those players that, like Keldon, like Devin, like really most of the guys on this roster, will benefit once the guy is here, once that superstar shows up. Because he's probably yeah. not going to be the superstar. Yeah, you know, and a, a lot of Spurs fans too, you know, critical of him not being able to score any points. The Spurs didn't draft him for his offensive prowess. If you go back and you look and see what he did with Baylor, he wasn't a scoring threat. You know, even in the scouting report uh, prior to the draft, he was not a scoring threat. You know, he was out there mostly for his defensive prowess and all the little things that he's able to do out there on the court. That's exactly what he's doing right now for the San Antonio Spurs. If you can get a couple points out of the kid on any given game, that's just a plus. But he's not out there for scoring. I think he can actually kind of maybe evolve his game into kind of a, a Bruce Bowen kind of player, you know, where you are you don't have a, a, a great offensive presence out there. But when you get open shots, you can go ahead and knock those down. So let's say, you know, he's at, you know, out behind the wing or out in the wing and he gets an open three and he can knock that down. That's going to be great for his game moving forward, but he's not out there just to go ahead and drop tons of buckets, you know. So I know it's it's not a good analogy to make a kind of a reference to a Bruce Bowen-esque kind of player, but Bruce Bowen to me is a very similar player to Jeremy Sohan because they both play great defense, but Bruce could shoot the ball a little better. I and mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think a better trajectory that he probably is one that he'll be on over the next couple of years is if you like a Draymond Green type player, a guy who, you know, 6'8", 6'7", ish, 230, 220 pounds, moves his feet really well, very long wingspan, can guard one through five, may not come up with the most blocks or steals per game, but can lock up guys, make sure they don't score, make them uncomfortable, get under their skin. And then offensively, you know, he may not have shown it to this point, but he's a much better passer than whatever the assist per game numbers might suggest. Good rebounder and an opportune scorer. You know, Draymond Green is like an all-time great, right? But he's not out there to get you 20 points per game or even 15 points per game. He's going to give you like seven, eight points per game on a good team. And he's going to do all of the little things. So when I see, you know, comparisons for him, I think that's probably the best one. Now, I don't think he'll probably reach that Draymond Green level. But if he can become that sort of archetype of a player that he's already showing he can be, I think that that is going to be incredibly useful to the Spurs once they're at a point where they actually want to compete for a championship team. So I think it's all about managing your expectations. He wasn't here, as you mentioned, to score 20 points a night. That's not his game, but that doesn't mean he's useless. He has a lot of value on the court. Yeah, I think he does too. And, you know, one of the the things that's kind of not surprised me, but it's been great to see is the play of our veterans. You know, I think Coach Pop having the veterans come off the bench in one Doug McDermott, Zach Collins, Josh Richardson has brought a lot of balance to this team early on. Uh, and you can't say enough about how good the the bench has been for the San Antonio Spurs. I think it's been uh, better than we expected, you know, more so even just, you know, the expectations of the young core, you know, and everybody thinking, hey, let's see what these kids can do. Now that they're seeing what they're kind of able to do early on in the season, they're excited for that. They should be just as excited to see the play of the bench, you know, and as I stated, these uh, – these veterans have been, I think, instrumental to the success that the Spurs have had early on this season. What are your thoughts? I like how the veterans have played. I think that they've done a really good job of facilitating development for the rest of this roster. You've got Doug McDermott, who's in constant motion, gives you know the young ball handlers and playmakers an outlet. Same thing for Josh Richardson. And even when Josh Primo, it's like, 
okay, he's not quite there yet. You can see he's not shooting the ball that well. He's turning it over a lot. He'll have a good moment here or there. But when you can't rely on him, you can rely on Josh Richardson to run some of those primary reps, get the Spurs into their offense. And Zach Collins, same thing, steady presence off the bench. And I just don't have any complaints for the veterans. The only complaint that I really do have is I don't want to see Gorgie Jeng out there. I don't care how poorly Jeremy Sohan is playing. I don't care how poorly Isaiah Roby is playing. Look, Gorgie Jeng is 33 years old. He doesn't need to be out there. Uh, you know, if Pop is really serious about, you know, I'm giving this Sohan kid a long leash, we, we don't care if he makes mistakes, we want him to be comfortable, then don't yank him from a game early. Now, it only happened once. It happened against the Sixers, so it's not an issue yet. But truly, love Gorgie. I think he can be a voice on the bench. He doesn't need to be on the court, really, in, in my opinion. He's a useful player, but I don't want to see him on the court. Well, I think you got your wish, and that might be the thing moving forward. He got a DNP for the yeah. last game against the Minnesota Wolves. <laughs> I think Coach Pop saw he needed to know, see early, and he was like, nah, he's going to just be on the bench for now. I think the, the young kids can can hold it down, and and they did, you know. It was an exciting game. I mean, I was just beyond belief. I mean, I was sitting down over at the Little Woodrow's here having some some drinks and remembering <laughs> my, my good friend Michael DeLeon, who, who's no longer here. But we're all watching, and we were watching the, the game unfold, and we're like, what is happening right now? We can't believe what is going on. This has to be like some bizarre world that we're living in, you know, but everybody that was there was just enjoying it. They couldn't, you know, the, the fans out there too, they couldn't believe what they were watching. And I think we're going to have games like that, Noah, moving forward and, you know, the concept of, of the, the season unfolding here. They're going to be teams that the Spurs have no business beating and they're going to beat them. And some some days they're going to look like world beaters and then they're going to come back down to earth again, you know, and it's just going to be a ride, an up and down ride all season. But, you know, like I tell Spurs fans everywhere, just look at the growth of the actual team and, and the growth of the young players right now. I know you talked a little bit about Josh Primo and Spurs uh, fans had great expectations of Josh Primo coming into this season because, you know, he was going to be given more minutes, more playing time out there early on in the season. You know, I mean, he's still showing that he needs some seasoning on his game. Yesterday's outing against the the Minnesota Timberwolves, his stat line wasn't, you know, standing out at you. He had 10 points, you know, for the night. Uh, he shot 66.7% from the free throw line. Uh, he knocked down two of his four attempts from beyond the arc, good enough for 50%. His field goal shooting, um, when I look at it, it's at 60% right now. You know, he was at three of five, you know, so not all not all that bad in 24 minutes, you know. So he still needs some time. I think the Spurs fans need to just kind of, you know, be a little bit more patient with Josh Primo. I mean, you've said it yourself, you know, the kids still need some seasoning. I mean, what do you think your expectations are of Josh Primo for this season? I don't have a lot of expectations for Josh Primo because I know a lot of Spurs fans are on this train that, oh, he's the next guy, just like they are with Jeremy Sohan or whoever the Spurs draft every year. But I think for me, the, the thing that would make me happy if I'm the Spurs or if I'm a Spurs fan is you know, just seeing him grow, right? Like, is he turning the ball over less? Is he making reads consistently? Is he knocking down open shots? Does he occasionally show you something off the dribble? Is he not fouling as much? Like, those are the things that you're looking for. I don't think we need to have this expect expectation that, oh, you know, he's a starting point guard by the end of the year and he's giving you 16, 7, and 7. And no, I, I don't have a stat line that I'm looking for him for, from him. I just want to see, is he cleaning his game up? Because before you can really make an impact on the game, 
you have to be able to cut out the mistakes. And if he's doing that, that'll make me smile. So those are my expectations for Josh Primo. Maybe not the highest, but yeah. that's what I'm looking forward to. One of the things that kind of troubles me a little bit, and I'm going to ask you about this, is the team's overall free throw shooting. That's still not where it needs to be. And I think in close games, that can actually be something that could cost them the game, you know, the inability to knock down their free throws. Do you think they're going to get better as the season goes on, or is this pretty much who they are? No, I don't think it's going to get a whole lot better as the season goes on. For whatever reason, even though Keldon Johnson is a near 40% three-point shooter, he shoots about, you know, mid-70s from the line. And, you know, the same thing, like Devin is going to shoot probably like 82 83%. He's going to have a good percentage, but Primo was mid-70s a season ago. Josh Richardson will probably bring that number up, right, because he's like, Missed one free throw, I think, since he joined the Spurs last season. But when you have guys like Jakob Pertl, who teams are intentionally sitting, sending to the line, hoping he misses and he shoots like 40% for his career, that, that number is always going to drag you down. So even though the percentage is low, I don't know if it's indicative of the entire roster, but it is indicative that teams realize there's an advantage to fouling Jakob on purpose and sending him to the line to miss free throws. So I don't think it'll be a big deal at the end of the day. Yeah, I just think it's something just to to keep an eye on, you know. Uh, and again, you know, like you said too. I mean, the the hack a portal, you know, teams are catching on to that early on. And you know, Jakob in the last outing with the was it the Pacers, I believe. You know, Rick Carlisle going out there and just having them hack him. Uh, that didn't really work out too well because Jakob did start knocking down his free throws. Because let's face it, you're going to be getting hacked and you're going to go to the free throw line sooner or later. You're going to start getting into a little rhythm, and I think that's what happened with Jakob. He's not known for, you know, his tremendous free throw shooting, but you get in a little rhythm, you can knock him down. So I think that's what happened with, with Jakob. But it also, it could be an Achilles heel because it could make him a liability. Again, you know, in, in crunch time situations, you have to go ahead and take him off the court because you can't trust his free throw shooting, you know? So it's one of those things to keep an eye on. But, you know, as we start bringing this episode here to a close, uh, you got anything going on over there at Pounding the Rock that you're working on that you want to tell everybody about? I haven't done too much out of the usual, right? I've been doing the news updates, previews, recaps, analysis. But if you did want to check out my YouTube channel again, I've got it up and running. We're posting our podcast on there, but mostly I'm starting to get back into film studies. So if you like that kind of thing, you want to see the game broken down, you want to see what I think of players from game to game, definitely check it out. You know, we we got from about 1,300 subscribers to over 1,600 in the last month, and I really appreciate the support. So if you want to check something out, check out the writing, check out the, the channel, check out the podcast. But as always, Joe, man, I, I really just appreciate you bringing me on here. I have fun talking about the Spurs, and I hope we get to do this again this season. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely bring you back on, you know, and some other guests on and talk about the Spurs and various parts of uh, their game as the season unfolds here. But always great talking basketball with you. And if you haven't already, make sure you go and follow Noah over there on his YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe and like his his videos and turn on the notification so you can get notified of when he's dropping <laughs> new videos, you know? That's always fun. So I always like watching what you got going and great content from you, Noah. So, you know, you can also follow us and as we've stated at Two Shots Podcast and you can see throughout this whole broadcast we you see our Twitter handle, our Instagram, and our and our YouTube channel. We don't have nearly as many subscribers as Noah does, but we haven't been very active. So we hope to go ahead and get more active here as the season started. So make sure you go ahead and follow us. So for Noah Magaro George, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you for watching and listening to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, be kind. We're out. Peace.